Hey everyone, welcome to Promethean Tides. Uh, I am General, I am here with Breaker, uh, and uh, how's it going, Breaker? You're summoning a demon. You think you can control it, but I don't think you'll be able to. <laughs> I I don't under I who's the I don't understand the reference. Who's the demon? Elon Musk reference. That's what he said about general intelligence AI. Oh, that was from back in the day, huh? It's very relevant to current events. <laughs> uh it is. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, God, Elon Musk has, uh, uh, both, both Elon Musk and Putin have come out and said that, uh, AI is one of the most dangerous things, uh, that, that, uh, we have. And that, uh, I don't know if Elon Musk said this, but it was Putin who said that, uh, AIs in the future will be more, uh, uh, destructive and powerful than, uh, nuclear weapons are. Probably wouldn't doubt that, honestly. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't doubt that either. Actually, I think there's a there's a there's a big conversation to be had uh, about uh, some uh, some of the some of the technologies that uh, we're currently developing and the uh, the potential strength of them. You know, if you if you can develop a general artificial intelligence and you're the first one to do so, then you could wipe out your enemy's stock market and uh, gain control of a lot of their. Um, military installations and just win overnight and uh actually that's uh, way more powerful than any thermonuclear weapon uh so there's that elon musk has been right about a lot of things uh th throughout the years uh probably not so much about um an infinitely regressive uh fractal uh simulation theory uh i don't, I don't think that that's uh, possible. I, uh, eventually, you, you you would have an infinite density of information, and the whole thing would just collapse into a black hole. And I think that that's that's why he's pr probably incorrect about that. But he's thinking in the right direction. I, I appreciate him for that. But in the past couple weeks, he has also been thinking in the right direction about buying Twitter. Yes, the wonderful tweeting bluebird from the days long past. Remember when you could only type like what was it, 140 characters? Yeah, they. How many? How many characters is it nowadays? Uh, last time I checked, I think it's 280. Uh, I think. So they they maybe they doubled it. Yeah, I mean, cool. Uh, how very innovative of Twitter. How how long have they been around now? Uh, uh, let me think. It's like 2012, 2013, something like that. Well, we we, we could just Google foo it. Let's see. Oh, that's true. We do, how long we do have Google has Twitter existed? Uh, Twitter, two thousand six. No way, two thousand six. Well, in two thousand six, it was just kind of a gimmick for like those really shitty mobile flip phones they had back then. That's why the character limit was so low because it was the maximum size of a text message in two thousand six. Wow! And it took them uh, ten fucking years to upgrade that, <laughs> roughly. 
Okay. Yeah, I guess, um... Uh, I guess the first that I really started to hear about it was, uh, like, I think it was around 2012 is when I first heard about it. I think. Uh, but man, I didn't realize yeah, it was that old. It was mostly, like, a, a kid's thing and, like, those fucking hot young kids and all their fucking new technology. It's like, ooh, I gotta have the latest thing. Oh, I, I'm sending, like, I'm sending texts on my phone, but they're not texts, they're tweets. They're basically the same fucking thing, but it's, like, a totally different thing, you see. And only kids would be that excited about this weirdly novel thing that isn't that different from a text message on your fucking phone. <laughs> wow, dude, in two years, Twitter will be old enough to join the military. That's crazy. Yeah, be that as it may, the whole uh, business about Elon Musk and the the Twitter debacle that has cracked off over the past two weeks is getting really, really spicy. Like, Twitter is getting to the point where by all the fucking corporate interests and multinational corporations and the Black Rocks and the Vanguards and all the fucking shit's like starting to step in and the fucking Saudi princes and they're getting to the point where just like, um, fuck all the regular shareholders. We're just gonna poison pill this motherfucker and cause the stock value to shit the bed and say two middle fingers to everybody so we can maintain our fucking political influence that's granted to us through Twitter because it's not about the money, it's about the influence. Yes, okay. So uh let's let's start at the beginning here and take it take it step by step because uh that's like the that's the that's the the 20,000 uh feet up uh, view of what's happening but let's 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 break it down. So uh April 4th it comes out that Elon Musk uh has uh acquired 9.2 9.1 9.2 depending on who you ask uh percent of Twitter uh just slightly more than 73 million shares. Uh, and he becomes the largest shareholder of Twitter. So that's April 4th. Uh, <clears throat> shortly thereafter, uh, he's offered a seat on the board, but their condition is that uh, he cannot own more than 14.9% of Twitter. Uh, and overall, my impression was that Twitter did not seem interested in listening to what Elon Musk wanted to do. So, even though he was the largest shareholder, they mostly were like, ah, fuck off, Elon. Like, you're not that important. We don't want to listen to you. Uh, yeah. Now, as a response, Musk offered to buy Twitter uh, for $54.20 a share, uh, 420 blaze it let's go uh, and if they don't accept his deal he'll pull out now this is I believe the the uh, I, I think that Elon Musk has gone into this with, with probably uh, uh, thinking 10 steps ahead he has a plan A and then he has a plan A B if plan A succeeds and then a a, uh, a plan B if it fails, and then a plan B A and a B C and a A D C. He has, uh, he probably has a whole bunch of different plans for depending on what happens uh, with Twitter. Uh, he's not a dumb guy. Plans to, 
plans within plans, Thedrautha. Yeah, yeah, I think, uh, I, I, yeah, I think, I think he's he's walking into this and he's already thought about what could happen, and he's acting accordingly. Uh, I think a lot of this was probably premeditated, but <clears throat> what what he what he did do with the uh, with the offering to just buy out Twitter was he 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 put he put the board in a very difficult position where uh, either a they accept the buyout for uh, the fifty four dollars and twenty cents, which is uh, a great offer. It's it's a premium on the stock. Uh, it's it's more than it's currently worth on the market, and uh, everyone makes money, but they have to wake walk away from their um, evil little machine. Or B, uh, they choose to reject the offer, and then Elon Musk says, "Okay, well then I'll probably you know sell my shares, and that's going to collapse the the, the Twitter shares, uh, the the price of of Twitter shares, and." then all of the shareholders that are left holding the bags are going to be very, very upset. And uh, in that case, the, the board would, would uh, they, they have a responsibility uh, to shareholders. and Fiduciary responsibility. A fiduciary responsibility. They have a, a, a responsibility to their shareholders. And by not meeting that responsibility, by doing something that appears to be more uh, political and ideological as opposed to financial, uh, could be opening themselves up for uh, legal uh, risks of uh, restitution in the future. So uh, Elon Musk has put the board in a very interesting position. The board has responded with the quote-unquote poison pill, uh, which is uh, also known as a shareholder rights plan. Isn't that a much better way of putting it? It's it's a it's not it's not a poison pill. It's a shareholder rights plan, um, like how the the, the you know it, it, it wasn't it wasn't the the bill to spy on Americans. It was it was the Patriot Act. All right, so don't worry. It's just a shareholder. Well, it's obviously it's obviously the Ministry of Love and not the massive multi-story torture dungeon. Oh yeah, exactly. No, 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 no. This is this is all good. It's uh, look, look, guys, we're we're just trying to protect everyone's rights here. Don't worry about it. Uh, so yeah, that is that is uh, basically the timeline of events of what has happened. Uh, Twitter released uh, this uh, this poison pill strategy on a Friday. Uh, now. Maybe this was just due to timing of events. Uh, so uh, Musk uh, offered to buy Twitter on the 12th, and then Twitter released their poison pill strategy on the 15th. It could just be that that's just that's they had to have a couple days to figure out what their strategy was and work it out and and press release it. But in general, uh, when you release things on a Friday, uh, that's where the news goes to die. Uh, no one is paying attention to news on a Friday, and so it's it's very. If, if, if you want, if you have to release news that is uh, bad for uh, your uh, uh, for the institution, uh, then then you, you do it on a Friday. Anyway, so that is what has happened so far. Uh, we are recording this uh, on a Saturday evening, so 
uh, we will find out uh, what happens on Monday. So, that's the overall story. There's some interesting things about BlackRock. Uh, Elon Musk had an interesting little spat with a Saudi Arabian prince. Um, so, my question to you, Breaker, is... Um, <clears throat> I uh, why 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 is Elon Musk evil? Uh, why 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 can't why can't he just let the establishment have Twitter? Like why why does he have to uh, try to break their toys? What's going on here? Now I've heard a lot of conflicting opinions about Elon Musk's ultimate motives regarding this. Like some people say it's just like it's a way to like boost his image so that he can funnel all of this good PR that he's getting from this into some other side project that has nothing to do with Twitter. And he's ultimately just going to pull out and drop the bag any fucking way. Um, and then there's the notion it's like, Hey, Elon has come to save the day of Twitter. And he's like going to get rid of all this fucking censorship and bring back Donald Trump and all this other fantastical QAnon esque shit. Um, I think it's probably somewhere in the middle of those two grand eloquent narratives, whether he's like absolutely evil and self-interested and self-motivated, and he's this altruistic good guy like a fucking billionaire Superman that comes in to swoop the day. It's probably somewhere between those, in all honesty, as real life often is a mediation between these extreme opposites. Rarely does anyone ex exemplify the ideal of either side of that. Yeah, I... As I to, yeah. Go ahead. As to where exactly he falls on that spectrum, I personally am leaning more in the direction of the billionaire Superman, which I think you would probably agree with as well. But you also have to take into account, like, Elon Musk is like a master fucking PR guy, which is strange because he's such a massive Spurgatron if you hear him talk <laughs> in like a speech for more than two minutes. It's like, um, you see, my new truck, it goes very fast. Here is a graph of my truck going fast. See the gasoline truck? See my truck? Uh, the, the gasoline truck is catching up. It's still going. Uh, mine's already at the finish line, but we'll just wait for that gasoline truck to come up. And then everyone claps and cheers and laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> There's a, he, I, I think uh, with his Cybertruck, he put he put bulletproof glass on it, right? And then he was in an interview. That's badass. Yeah, he was in an interview, and, and someone was like, well, why, why the bulletproof glass? Well, you see, uh, it's, it's, it's badass. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's good enough reason for me. Fucking a. Uh, so oh, let let's go like super conspiracy with that. Let's say that he's actually building a fucking technological drone army, and he's gonna like Doctor Evil style or Lex Luthor style push a button, and all the freaking trucks are gonna be under his control like maximum overdrive, and he's gonna take down the government. <laughs> That's like the super QAnon conspiracy. No, 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 no. <clears throat> I got a way better conspiracy. Uh, Neuralink, right? Uh, he, oh God! Yeah, he gets everyone to have Neuralink, and and he and everyone trusts Elon Musk because he's always been the good guy. But actually, uh, then he flips a switch. Boom! Now he has uh, everyone's a zombie, and he he has control over everyone, and that's how he conquers the world. He does it with a smile, uh, and everyone loves him, but. Boom. Yeah, he's actually, he's bent on world domination. He's he's worse than the Germans. He's a... Now that would give some credence to the theory that he's actually ultimately self-interested, because with this particular Twitter business going on right now, win, lose, or draw, 
he's got so many plans within plans and he's thought out all the contingencies so well that he's going to somehow end up on top regardless of what happens with all of this and he's going to take all that positive PR and funnel it over to something like Neuralink and he's going to say it's like hey you know Twitter is full of shit do you see how I expose them as the phonies and oligopoly that they truly are well with my company Neuralink you won't have to worry about censorship you will be plugged in to the network and you will be able to seamlessly communicate freely and openly with everyone else on the network and there will be no curation and no censorship <laughs> so here's here's the thing man i think that it might work just because if i had to choose between facebook's metaverse and elon musk's neuralink i i i might take the neuralink Well, at least Metaverse, you could take off the fucking goggles. With Neuralink, it's going to be inside your fucking skull like Ghost in the Shell level shit. That is true. That's a downside. That's a major downside. But uh, I, I don't, I don't know because <clears throat> the thing is, is that these. If it's not open source, if it's not open source, run like fucking hell. I, it, it's the fucking Antichrist six six six. Run like hell. Well, yeah, exactly. The the thing is, is that all of these uh, tech companies. They've invested millions, uh, maybe even hundreds of millions of dollars into research, into how to hack the human brain, how to get the most number of eyeballs on things, how to just get the most amount of human attention, the most number of clicks. They, they, uh, the, the same people that, uh, that consult with casinos are consulting with, with these uh, tech platforms. It's the same. It's the same psychologists that are doing the consulting for for both of these things. Uh, that's a major reason why maybe you shouldn't trust Facebook because even if it's just a pair of goggles, they're going to find out some way to get you hooked to it. Where you, yes, technically speaking, you can take the the uh, uh, the the what do you call them? The the fucking the. Uh, the eye things, the thing, Oculus the, Rift, the headset, the fucking headset. Technically speaking, technically speaking, you can take the headset off, but but you won't want to. Uh, yeah. Whereas, whereas, uh, I think Elon Musk himself, he he came out and, and he said that uh, the I. Uh, the way it, Twitter's algorithm should be open source, and I I agree, I agree with Elon Musk on this. I think it, it's obviously he wasn't the first person to say it. He he just repeated something that's been being said for years. But Elon Musk agreed the algorithm that is behind Twitter should be open source. Um, what is what is the reason for people being banned? We don't know. It's 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 in it's in the dark. It's. Uh, it's 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 some sort of back room of uh, I guess Saudi investors uh, and uh, blue-haired twenty-one-year-old um, uh, uh, neo-gendered individuals uh, who are making the decisions as to who should get banned, and I, I don't know if that's the healthiest thing. So I uh, 
it seems like Elon Musk is a force for good. He could he could end up being a force for bad, but for right now, he's a force for good. I th- I think. Well, yeah, that's that would kind of be the point in his like uh, good PR side chain strategy. If in fact that is the like, if I've mapped it out correctly of what this ultimately is going to lead to. I guess only time will tell in the end, but... uh, Is he actually good at PR, though? Well, let's say that individually he himself alone isn't, but like you literally just stated, he has billions of dollars and resources and elite psychologists that work on this type of shit, so... He'll have, like, 20 Guima worm tongues that are telling him, like, make sure you move your hands around in this specific path. Added that inspires confidence. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, all right. Here, here's here's a question. Uh, so far, has Elon Musk had a particularly large need uh, for, uh, let's say, uh, contra, uh, uh. uh has he had a very large need for psychologists who understand uh, human addiction and gambling? I don't think he has. Uh, he's been doing Tesla. He's been doing Space Link, uh, not Space Link, <laughs> SpaceX. SpaceX. Yeah. Well, there Starlink and, and, and Neuralink and SpaceX, right? Uh, and he's been doing Tesla. None of these platforms have actually required this. Uh, uh, this this need uh, need for. Uh, uh, psychologists who understand gambling like maybe maybe that's why he's different than uh uh than a, than a mark zuckerberg right like like a, a mark zuckerberg just he feels fake when you listen to him talk it's fake and everything he says it seems like it's designed to manipulate you right like it's it's uh, uh, mark zuckerberg is actually in the uncanny valley like He's gotten so good at trying to seem presentable that it, it's actually creepy. Whereas, uh, I don't, you just you don't get that impression from Elon Musk. He he seems like a like a chill, mildly autistic guy. Zuckerberg is kind of spurgy and too smart and up his own ass for his own good, to where he thinks like looking and sounding like data from fucking Star Trek Next Generation is what normal human people do. (laughs) Whereas Elon Musk can kind of... He has, like, a more... uh, He's more carefree and casual, and he kind of knows that he's spurgy, but he plays it to his strength, and he kind of pokes fun at himself, and he does a bunch of memes, and he he has, like, good ratings with the kids. Like, the kids are into Doge. I'm gonna pump Doge coins. Ah, Doge. Everyone loves Doge. (laughs) Whereas Mark Zuckerberg is like, Doge, a meme. Here is what Meme Archive says about Doge. I am a human who enjoys memes. <laughs> well, I think I think it was uh, it was uh, Zuckerberg himself, uh, and I, this is more or less a direct quote. Uh, back when I was human, I mean, I still am human. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I think he. I think Mark Zuckerberg is just the fucking AI in a human suit. <laughs> I think it's already happened. <laughs> 
Yeah, we we already invented the AI. It's controlling Facebook. <laughs> uh, no, I think I think that actually, uh, so Elon Musk is not very professional. I mean, he uh, he can be professional, I guess, and he uh, and and he's. Uh, he, he appears to be uh, wickedly, wickedly intelligent, uh, but he's not—he's not super professional. He's not—he's not—he's uh, not like a Jeff Bezos level of professional. Like it seems as though there is still some humanity left in the guy. That he's not just a uh, uh, an animatronic uh, version of a person that is trying to say all the right things all the time like you 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 can see that he's not uh he's he's he he's not a member of the borg or whatever the the metaphor is i think that maybe that's part of the reason why people like him it's because he's well, maybe not that he professional notices, yeah maybe he notices that everyone is kind of put off and disinterested in the bog standard suit and tie corpo pr department approved 100% PC speech, like, pressed and pleated collar, corpo speak bullshit. And he realizes that so many other people try that and fail so often, especially with the younger demographics. So he intentionally and strategically does more meme culture and pop culture shit. Maybe that's the thought process if you've ever considered it. <laughs> true, true, yeah. I mean, maybe it's a strategy, but... Uh, I, he's so professional that you don't even notice it. Oh, the next level thing, where actually he's more professional than anyone else, and the way that you become more professional is trying to seem more like a human. The conspiracy is three layers deep. It's not so much a conspiracy as it is just a very... It's a combination of an understanding of all the human psychological tics that we were alluding to before, and in conjunction with that, an ability to not take yourself seriously and constantly be head up your own ass mode, like all the other fucking Jack Dorsey, Zuckerberg, name your fucking corpo suit and tie motherfucker. Their ego is so fucking massive, and they're up their own ass so much that they've just lost touch with normal humaning things whereas elon musk he can make fun of himself he can be the butt of a joke like if he goes on like some type of comedy show dressed up like fucking wario and shit you think zuckerberg would dress up his data from star trek on an snl skit i don't fucking think so <laughs> although that would be hilarious that would be funny as that would be funny as hell but that would demonstrate that zuckerberg actually can pull his head out of his ass, which doesn't seem the case. So, <clears throat> all right, this is this is uh, this is my opinion. I I think that it's it's possible that Elon Musk is actually, uh, like, if if Zuckerberg is playing forty chess, Musk is playing five D chess. So he's like even out strategizing the uh, the Silicon Valley billionaires and actually he's even more autistic than than them and even less of a human but he's trying but he, he's figured out how to present himself so he, like that's possible it's possible that that, that that that's happening honestly I think that the guy is uh, he's out of all the billionaires I think he's the most human I think he's he's more down yeah. to earth uh, and I think that that's why why more people trust him. 
I uh, I think I think that more or less that's that's my position. I I'm not saying that I have absolute 100% trust in Elon Musk, but I do I do have a decent amount of uh, faith in the man. Yeah, and a majority of Elon Musk is just like his like I said his personality. It's the part of your humanity that you can't just script and act out unless you're like Marlon Brando level method actor motherfucker and you're just constantly in character all the time like the world's greatest magician or some shit. Right. Like like the, now the stress of that would have like physical and psychological markers that you could start to tell the longer you keep that facade up over time. Oh, absolutely. He would probably be in the news for substance abuse or something, like some type of scandal. Well, and, probably and, several scandals would be flying around him all the time if he were that high-strung and acting all the time. I think it's just an integral aspect of his genuine personality, where he's just simply naturally not as egotistical as Zuckerberg is. Well, uh, yeah, and I, I think that if if he was like, I I don't think that you can cram that much talent into one person. I mean, the fact is is that okay, he's obviously brilliant, and he's also brilliant at running companies. Uh, like, uh, just about every company. I mean, I don't know this for a fact, but it seems as though just about every company that he's started or taken over uh, has made a shit ton of money. He's he's very good at, at managing these companies, and he's very good at specifically tech-related companies because he has a background in engineering. I don't think that you can take that person and then also cram in to that person the best actor of all time. I think that's too much talent. I think that he's the real deal. I yeah, think that he's being genuine. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's – like you're making my point for me. Like We're both in agreement on this. It's like that would be like – the top five geniuses from multiple different fields throughout artistic and scientific endeavors for the past hundred years all jammed into one person and yeah that is so astronomically unlikely i i'm more inclined to think it's just how he genuinely is well unless unless actually um uh he is a platonic uh uh, uh god king philosopher or <laughs> a philosopher king uh, maybe that's what he is. Maybe he's a philosopher king. It, maybe, maybe played with you know, Freud. Maybe that's that's what he is. That's not actually too far. Now, now that you bring that up, that's not too far from the truth, in my opinion. <laughs> like he is literally like the modern day. Like he's literally crafting a bridge into a new fucking universe. An unparalleled human experience in the form of fucking Neuralink. If that's not a philosopher fucking god king that shifts a fundamental paradigm of how humans behave and socialize, the, the likes of which has never before been seen in human history, I don't know what a fucking god king is. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, yeah, fair point. Uh, and... You know, not only that, but he 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 started a company uh, called the Boring Company, and, and they they dig tunnels, and they uh, I think it was them that released a flamethrower. So hell, man! I mean, if you want to be a, a a philosopher god king, you got to release a flamethrower. I mean, that's just that, that's just logical. Uh, it's space balls come true. It's like the yogurt flamethrower. The kids love this one. <laughs> uh. So, 
Anyway, yeah, I think that we're in agreement. Probably Elon Musk is uh, more or less a genuine human. He seems to be tackling uh, the not just Twitter, but I think an aspect of the establishment itself. Uh, Twitter sucks, I think, as as a, as an as a, a purely economic investment. Uh, I think that uh, you you sent me a link. Let me pull it up here. Uh, Charles uh, Charles Schwab. Uh, gives them a, an F rating. Strongly underperform. Uh, they say that their growth rate is uh, neutral, but their quality grade, their sentiment grade, their stability grade, and their valuation grade are all negative. Uh, they got a D, 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 and F in those aspects. Uh, I think uh, it was uh, Twitter actually uh, got, um, I think, Goldman Sachs uh, in there to try to say that Twitter was worth more than $54.20, and yet Goldman Sachs themselves were like, nah, it's worth 30 like um, like a couple months ago. This is clearly not... Uh, uh, no, no, no part of this Twitter buyout has anything to do with intelligent economics. Uh, this has to do with power. This is this is outside of capitalism. This is the, uh, the what do you call it when um, when the government gets involved uh, in like economic systems um, and then they basically like more or less control corporations. Uh, and uh, specifically, like they're they're controlling this corporation in order to control uh, the uh, American um, free speech platform. Uh, and by uh, own, what do you call that when when they? I believe that would be called fascism. That, that I think yeah, that's right. I think it's fascism. Yeah. I I just I I just I find it so interesting that you know you have uh, you have the Saudi Arabians uh, they they hold a big part of Twitter uh, and then you got you got Vanguard uh, they're actually now I believe the largest uh, shareholder of Twitter um, they went they went ahead and uh, uh, increased their their holding from uh, like eight eight percent to twelve percent or something like that. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, this is uh, this this platform. Uh, people clearly care about it, but it has nothing to do with the financials of it. Twitter Twitter is not profitable. Uh, I mean, it, it's technically profitable, but it, it kind of sucks at making money. These institutions are interested in it for very clear reasons. It's political power. It's influence. It's Twitter is the place where a lot of political conversations happen. And if, as long as they can control that, uh, it's fantastic. This, this is this this. I think it what what it's doing is it's exposing that <clears throat> uh, there are uh, there are institutions and entities that exist that are more powerful than just good old capitalism, uh, and and they're less interested in making money because they already have the money. In fact, maybe they can already print the money so they don't really care. What they're interested in is control of human thoughts. That's what they want, and that's way more valuable than any amount of dollars. Yeah, which would make a lot of sense as to why all these like multi-billion, multinational companies all of a sudden really care about a 
shitty underperforming tech company with a rotten fucking perspective that if it were your child's report card you would probably literally punch your child in the face for being that retarded (laughs) Um. are you even my child has my girlfriend been fucking around how are you this stupid (laughs) you got an F and three D's motherfucker get out of my house now here's the thing though Good old, uh, uh, good old capitalism uh, does still exist, right? And this is what I'm thinking. And this is by no means financial advice towards anyone. I am not a, uh, to my knowledge, I'm not a, a holder of, of any Twitter stock. Um, I might be. Uh, I would have to check, uh, but I don't. I don't think I am. I, maybe I have like a small amount. It wouldn't. Well, be I I thought about buying it a long time ago, but then I looked at the prospectus and I was like, "This is a massive piece of shit. I'm not fucking buying this. I'm gonna buy fucking Exxon Mobil." <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. Okay, so anyway, not not financial I- advice, and but definitely not financial advice. I was just saying what I did, yeah. me personally, not what you should do. But here's here's my position. I. I'm thinking that if maybe maybe Twitter is not really maybe it doesn't make that much money maybe it's bleeding users uh, maybe uh, it, it it sucks and it's being mismanaged into the ground um, but there are a lot of wealthy and very powerful people that are very interested in this platform continuing to exist regardless of its profitability Uh and from a purely capitalistic standpoint, that actually does make it valuable. So I'm thinking maybe I should actually buy a little bit of Twitter. <laughs> because Well, it, okay, it, here's the thing. Yeah. You buying a little bit of Twitter, you're not getting any type of actual value out of it. The value would come from you having like board seats and shit where you could like control the direction of it and get like uh, I don't know, maybe private DMs between politicians and government bodies who have twitter accounts maybe something like that well no no what what i'm saying is that maybe this is a gamestop situation where it's been it's worse than a gamestop situation but i'll explain why well okay let me let me let me put my hypothesis forward right uh twitter has actually been undervalued chronically and that's because everyone was looking at the financial aspects of Twitter. But that's not the thing that people actually should have been focusing on. What people should have been focusing on is the political value to Twitter. Now, that actually does give it concrete value that the uh, the establishment and the elites are willing to fight over. And how will they have to fight over this? Economically, right? So maybe... Even though Twitter sucks as a company, like just on face value, and it's, it doesn't make a lot of money, because it has apparently massive political value, maybe it's a GameStop. Maybe it is chronically under uh, undervalued, and actually the elites wanted it to be undervalued so they could, you know, just continue holding as much of it as they possibly could. Maybe, maybe I want to buy a couple shares. But what's your hypothesis? Okay. Okay, uh, not financial advice, like, from me no, to you none personally. Of this. We are both retarded. No one should, should listen to us yeah. about economics. 
I from me to you personally, General Chief, between us, um, I would not recommend that you buy it. The, for the for the reason I previously stated, this is just two people talking. I'm not telling anyone else what they should do. I am not a qualified financial expert. I do not have the authority to give any financial advice. But my hypothesis, I, I think all you said there was completely valid on the surface level. But you also have to think a couple layers deeper than that. I might slightly dip my toe into some conspiracy waters as I go on with it, but mostly not. Most of this has been very public over the past few years. Um, do you remember when all the big tech companies had to testify before the American Congress about how they totally weren't uh, curating and editing data and doing any type of shadow banning or background process or bumping anybody up in the fucking listings and all of those things that they testified to under oath? Yeah, I think I remember that. And they were like... Uh... I think that the fact checkers said that they were uh, 100% truthful. So, like, that was... Yeah. And then someone, ha then someone hacked Twitter and got control of in Twitter administrator's account and took screenshots. I, you should probably, most of the time, not believe screenshots, so take this with a grain of salt because you can cook those up in Photoshop in, like, two minutes. But anyway... They showed a bunch of very interesting moderation tools from this Twitter moderator account, including specific tools for deranking, like clandestine Twitter tools that no one else, unless you're like an employee of Twitter, would ever get to see. And they included things like what were analogous to shadow ban buttons and options. Oh, of course, yeah. No, I mean, now, everyone knows that Twitter Twitter has that. Uh-huh. It's like a common thing. It's like, uh, because we experience it. Like, if you're on Twitter long enough and you say certain controversial things that go against the grain, you'll notice that you, your engagement goes down for some mysterious reason. And, you know, this is purely anecdotal, mind you. These are just personal experiences of various people that I've seen talk about this on various social media platforms in the past. But be that as it may... I think uh, all of this Elon Musk business has really upset a massive fucking Apple cart, and that's part of that. What all what you said about like the control of public sentiment—that's probably the bigger part of it. But they're also thinking like, okay, those motherfuckers technically lied under oath to fucking Congress, and. If Elon Musk just pulls the fucking backlogs of Twitter uh, and shows, like, thousands upon thousands of logs where people have been deranked and suppressed and things that they testified under oath were not happening, that's going to cause a massive shit show. And all these motherfucking elites all have dirt on each other. Right. Like, they all have, right. like, shady shit. So they're going to say, it's like, okay, if I go down with this fucking Twitter ship and I'm exposed and Congress and the fucking FBI come after me and slap me in fucking irons and put me in federal prison over lying to Congress and committing perjury. Um, somebody's coming with me, motherfucker, and you know who you are. And then all these companies are like, um, shit, he's right. <laughs> For the rescue fan card. <laughs> okay, okay. So I I understand your perspective and I think that it's, it's an alternative way of looking at it to, like, my... How I'm looking at it, but I think that my way of looking at it is better, and it's for one reason, and that's because 
Um, you and I both know that uh, none of these board members, uh, these these wealthy institutional elites, will ever face a minute of jail time because they're important, and that's that's not the way that the fucking criminal justice system works. Okay, if you're well, important yes, enough, you're right. then you don't see a day of jail. That's just how it works. Yeah, everyone knows that. So I don't think that they're that we concerned know. about jail time. Well, they're not necessarily concerned about jail time because you're right. And like I said before, this is not an either or thing. I, I even said like most of what you said is probably the bulk of the concerns of these people. The jail time is probably way down on the totem pole because, like you just said, a lot of these people are technically above the law. We all know how that works. But what they're not above is taking massive fucking PR hits. Taking PR hits in an environment where someone like Elon Musk is massively throwing his billions of dollars of financial weight around and trying to acquire things like Twitter, just like flat out. So they're all doing massive damage control mode on this to keep Twitter as like the primary social networking institution and overshadow anything that Elon Musk could present as an alternative because the negative PR hit they take from all this shit, even if it doesn't get to the point where they're exposed to lying to the fucking government, which is technically perjury, but they're above the law. But it okay. would be like alt-tech on crack if Elon Musk throws his weight. It's like, hey, I have the Elon Musk alternative to Twitter now because Twitter said, fuck you and see how they're full of shit. They rolled me over the fucking coals for trying to make Twitter a better place. So I'm just going to take that billions of dollars I got back from that company because I shorted the fucking stock and fucking social media company. Fuck them. And you can all come over here and bitch about how bad Twitter is all day and I won't do a thing against it. Okay, so... <clears throat> I, I'm going to put forward this proposition. There are two different types of billionaires, okay? There, there, there are the billionaires that care about PR debacles, and there are the billionaires that don't care about PR debacles. So, And those are the ones whose names you don't know, but all the people that are throwing their hats in this are well-known names, like the fucking multinational institutions and the fucking no, no, Saudi no, no, princes no. and jets. Those are the ones we no. do know. So... I think, uh, okay, let me let me rephrase this. Uh, I believe that Elon Musk doesn't care that much about PR. Like he cares a bit, like like a, like how a normal human would care about PR. But they're not obsessed with it, right? But there are other billionaires, like a like a Mark Zuckerberg who are terrified of PR. They always want want to be saying the correct thing. And because they're so obsessed with PR and they never want to say an incorrect thing that might offend someone or might, you know, uh, make the shareholders upset or anything like that or make China upset or Saudi Arabia upset, they, they, they have to basically be robotic in their talking because PR is so important to them. Whereas there are certain billionaires, and I'm looking at, say, like a, an Elon Musk or a Donald Trump, uh, where I guess whatever facet of their personality, they just don't really give that much of a shit about PR. They just want to do their thing and, and make money and be successful. Uh, and so controversy rolls off them like water off a duck. And although right now um, the 
the the billionaires that don't seem to care as much about PR are are fewer and further between. They seem to have an undue influence over culture, say, in comparison to the billionaires that are obsessed with PR. And uh, I think that's I think that's amazing. I think that 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 what that shows us is that uh, there 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 is a strategy that seems to exist that seems to work, where if you if you can get powerful and you can get money and you also don't give a shit what what. Uh, the the Twitterati think about you, then man, you can you can throw some hefty stones at the system. I think that's actually a fair point, but I think it's there's a bit more to it than that. Not that you're wrong. In that, uh, to the extent that because it goes back to what I was talking about before about the difference in personality of these people like zuckerberg is obviously so egotistical and head up his own ass that if his ass isn't shining like a 24 karat gold facing the public at all times if a bird shits on his solid gold ass he has a massive fucking conniption fit and he just can't fucking handle well, it do you he, that's why he's fucking terrified of the bad pr <laughs> do you think do you think it comes from ego or do you think it comes from uh because I I don't I actually I'm not sure if I get the sense that it comes from ego. I get I get the sense that it actually comes more from fear that he has so many responsibilities to so many groups of people. Uh like he's he's got he's got to appease the board. He's got to appease the investors. Uh maybe he he has foreign dealings with you know uh, other countries. So like he has to care about you know what China thinks. Like like with the like like look at look at Dwayne the Rock Johnson, right? Um he, uh, I, I forget what he did, but he he did something to piss off the Chinese people, and then uh, no, what? No, it wasn't. It wasn't that was John Cena. It was John Cena. John Cena. Yes, John Cena. Oh, you don't make a fun of Xi Jinping. Oh. Right, right. It was. It was. It was not Dwayne the Rock Johnson. I apologize. It was John Cena. John Cena. Uh, he, uh, he he had to make it. Like I, I guess he's learned a bit of, of Mandarin. Fucking good for him. But he, he he made an apology video to the Chinese, and I I, I think that what's happening is that. Some people really like their career and their power is based off of PR. They they need to appease as many people as possible. Uh, like they they uh, the only reason that they have power is because they have relationships with a whole bunch of other people that have power, right? So it's it's like they uh, it's almost like a like like a like a high school like like social network. Where, like, okay, you, you got to be friends with this guy and this guy and this guy. You don't want to piss any of them off because because they're powerful. But then them being powerful gives you power. And it's it's this, it, you know, they all shake hands and, and jerk off each other. And it's all fantastic. And then, occasionally, you have, a, you have someone who just doesn't give a shit about any of that. And they're like, you know what? Yeah, all right. Uh, PR be damned. Uh, I'm just, I'm going to do what I want to do. And... That that person that person is, uh, they have, they they are unconstrained. The 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 movements and the decisions that they can make in the marketplace are not nearly as constrained as 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 the as the Elon uh, as as the sorry as the Mark Zuckerberg. Elon Musk is not nearly as constrained as a Mark Zuckerberg is, and so that actually gives him more weight to throw in, or around in the market and it makes him more powerful. 
also Elon Musk uh, as a consequence and of he's all autistic. of that is much more well that but as a consequence of all that he is he's much more legitimately cosmopolitan and not just cosmopolitan as a term of like public social display in a way that Mark Zuckerberg like oh yes my diversity my multiculturalism where Elon Musk is actually living diversity and multiculturalism every time he takes a fucking business trip to Bangkok or some shit well, and I mean, in a way that Mark Zuckerberg is just doing it to be like, oh yes, I'm immersing myself in the culture. This is all for pleasure. Elon Musk does that for business, so he takes it much more seriously. Well, and in, in addition to that, he is he is uh, uh, the wealthiest African American, and like honestly, you know, I would say that I'm I'm surprised that overall it seems as though the left has has come out. Um, like against Elon Musk for some reason, and they they want vile racism. Well, they vile racism. It's yeah, it is vile racism because here here is a here is a, a genuine African American, a successful wealthy African American, trying to challenge the power structure um, of of a of a platform that is is more or less controlled by the the likes of Vanguard and and Saudi princes, and this is a. A, just a stand-up African American guy, and the left is against him. None of this makes any sense. I can't put. I, this is a puzzle where it has fifteen pieces missing. I don't know what the fuck the perspective of of the left is on this, but um, I, 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 I support. I support this 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 African American man. As do I. Yes. And you know the left these days, especially these days, is just. A, a veritable dynamo of fucking logical and emotional contradictions from all fucking angles. So, I mean, that doesn't necessarily surprise me. But uh, getting back to the broader point, um, insofar as, like, the ego and the general strategy is concerned, I think Elon Musk has... He's much more tactical... Because he is, like, legitimately cosmopolitan and he flies all over the world on real fucking business and he has to take all these cultures very seriously and legitimately immerse himself in them to enamor other, like, foreign businessmen that he cuts deals with all the fucking time. Whereas Zuckerberg just has to be, like, in a Zoom call with a Saudi prince who speaks fluent English and knows to act like American when he's talking to an American. And when he turns back around to face these fucking people, he's like, uh... Any homosexuals, I kill you. <laughs> I stab you. Well, you know, Saudi Arabia's uh, track record of human rights, be as it may. Um, Elon Musk has so many... Uh, he has so much capacity to formulate so many plans from so many different angles that that's exactly what he's doing here. Because... No matter what happens with this, like, the only way they could knock him off the high horse now is they would have to pull out some, like, fucking Lolita Express Epstein Pleasure Island shit and finally have to admit that that's a thing simultaneously to even have a hope of taking him down. It would have to be that big of a scandal. And they're so terrified of him he, because they I don't, don't think he ever flew yeah, on they, the Lolita Express. I don't think Elon Musk Exactly. They don't actually have any dirt like that on him. That's one of the main reasons they're so afraid of him, because they never inducted him into the magical, occultist, owl-worshipping Minerva cult in the fucking Bohemian Grove. <laughs> we should... 
Uh, we should we should do a deep dive a deep dive into the Bohemian Grove at some point. But I uh, so I want to point out that uh, if you look at both Elon Musk and Donald Trump, uh, billionaires who wanted to throw a rock at the system, you'll notice that both of them have a uh, I think a, a quite a substantial libertarian bent to them, and I think that there's something to that. I think that these are just genuine good old libertarians. And uh, that's their principle structure. And they're they're wicked they're, they're like they're like wickedly smart and so you know they've been able to do incredibly well. But I, I think that they they both Elon Musk and Donald Trump, they they both have a genuine human part of them that actually wants people to be free. I think that they, they actually, instead of being completely motivated by what makes more profits happen or what appeases the shareholders or what appeases Xi Jinping, they, they, have a, they have a genuine motivation that they're like, hey, you know what, I, I, I want to maximize my freedom, ergo I want to max uh, maximize other people's freedom. That's what I see. Well, maybe, I think uh, maybe maybe I'm being too optimistic. Maybe maybe I'm I'm maybe like Elon Musk and Donald Trump are just as bad as everyone else, and and they want to fucking put me in chains just like everyone else. But I I sense a humanity in them. I I I think that they're they they actually want to maybe to some extent increase human freedoms. I don't think you're wrong, but I think your perspective is a bit too short-sighted on that because you like to say that these are highly principled people that like legitimately believe in like these libertarian freedoms i, I, I didn't and say you're highly principled i didn't say highly principled i just said well you said you said that they have principles libertarian principles of freedom and they want other people to be as free as they are i i think that it's uh i think that it it, it I'm not. I'm not even saying that that it, it's a principle. Actually, I think that it might come from more of an emotional place, where, like, I'm. I'm thinking about myself, right? Like, I'm. I'm a libertarian. From it's 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 from like more. It's honestly, it's more of an emotional place where I'm like, dude, don't restrict my freedom. I don't want to restrict your freedom. I see that as being bad. And don't restrict. Now don't you're restrict going. Well, now you're going way off the rails. <laughs> No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm, I, I don't think I'm going off the rails. I think that, I, uh, I think that to some extent, libertarianism is not just a political ideology. I think it, it, it's in part a personality type, and I think that when it comes to personality types, it comes from like uh, innate desires, right? So, an innate desire of mine is that. I don't want to control other people and I don't want other people to control me. And that maybe maybe that leads me to become like a, a like a political liber libertarian, but I think that it's actually th the origin of that is more in like a, a personality structure. So I think it's totally possible that that Elon Musk and Donald Trump and maybe some other uh, uh, billionaires uh, just have that that personality structure, and they're just like, "Hey, man, I don't, I, I want to, I do want to make people more free because that that's that's just that's the right thing to do from from potentially just an emotional perspective." 
Okay, I got four things. Um, All right, tell me. In so far as the whole, in so far as the whole Donald Trump business goes, and how they tried to, like, destroy his, uh, like, image and PR and everything. Um, the cathedral basically, like, was edging for decades, and when Trump got in office over Hillary, they just splooged a massive fucking load of vitriol and black Icarus fucking devil semen all over fucking Donald Trump is like, I believe they're destroying. They just went full blast fucking leftoid insane and they whipped up every single fucking leftoid block that they possibly could to revile and despise him from any and all angles. Like, they went fucking insane on that, but the problem with that is after everyone saw that, the the only people that still believe most of that, like, pissgate shit that all the fucking bullshit about Donald Trump are just, like, the cathedral acolyte leftist blue hairs. Like, the normal Democrats are kind of like, eh, I don't agree with Trump politically, but he did this, this, and this. And the, the Republicans are kind of split because they're like, ugh. He's, he's saying all the quiet parts out loud and we don't have any fucking political leverage anymore that you get the fucking rhino cons and never Trumper motherfuckers that just wanted to go back to like uh, tax breaks and cleanly press suits and uh, well Christianity's not coming back anytime soon but uh, some type of moralistic pragmatism oh god America <laughs> I'll tell you what man America loves Mitt Romney they just love him yeah right um Basically, the whole point on that is the cathedral doesn't have another nut ready to go for the next motherfucker that gets in there to the same extent that they had for Donald Trump. Because the public has already been covered in Satan splooge, and they're just like, ugh, fucking Satan splooge everywhere. I just want the economy to go. I want gas prices to go back below $3, please. Fuck all of this bullshit. <laughs> That's what the general public, like the non-political zealots in America probably mostly think. Insofar as the Elon Musk business... And the three points about that. I think you have... Like, your perspective on this is not incorrect, but it's completely upside down. Um, okay. You seem to be prioritizing this type of sentimentality around the idealism of libertarianism. And I think for someone at the level of Elon Musk, sentimentality must necessarily be the lowest rung on the ladder. Because... You have to be so disciplined and in control of your emotions. Uh, I, even when you make emotional <clears throat> displays, they ha there has to be a certain level of tactics behind when, where, and how much you make an emotional display. So it's not just pure libertarian passion that's driving them. No, there. No. there is libertarian principle in there. No, 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 no. Uh, okay, look. Um, why Why is it that George Washington ab abdicated uh, the throne after um, uh, after eight years? <sighs> so here's the thing, man. I, I think that it's possible to be a very powerful person and still do something that is good for humanity and not just good for yourself. Like, when I... like Yes, I, but okay... I see uh, you're not I wrong. see Elon Musk and he he wants like it seems to me as though he has like a couple guiding principles. Um what is his rationale for SpaceX? Well, he wants to get humanity off of Earth 
and onto Mars. Why? Well, it's because literally all of our eggs are in the basket of Earth. And, you know, Earth is fucking awesome. But in terms of the survival of the human species, maybe it would make sense to at least put a, a, a dozen eggs onto Mars just to make sure that we're okay in case an asteroid impact happens or something. Like, he wants he wants to make uh, humans an interplanetary species, and I think that that's awesome. Um, why is it that Elon Musk wants to do Neuralink? Well... Look, I understand that there's a lot of problems with Neuralink. Like, I'm not sure that I would want to, you know, get it myself. But um, I've, I've listened to Elon Musk talk about why he started the, the Neuralink company. And it's because Elon Musk believes that uh, uh, the, the, uh, uh, it, the increasing intelligence of AIs and potentially the coming technological singularity uh, is a, uh, an existential threat for humanity. And what he would like to do is, instead of have humans compete with the AI, he wants to merge them in a Ray Kurzweil fucking style of, of, of futurism. Now, I'm not saying that I agree with that. I'm just saying it seems as though Elon Musk has motivations that are beyond just making himself more money. It seems as though he, he does have some interest in, like, the future of humanity as a whole. And whether he's right or wrong on whatever issue, you have to respect that, that like, he's thinking in that way. And I, I think he might be thinking in that way. Okay, I will agree with you that he is thinking in that way, but I will put this very succinctly. Um, I think, if I'm not mistaken, with my Roman history, someone in the comments will correct with the guy will show up and say, actually, it was this guy. So that is it, mate. I think it was Cato the Elder, if I'm not mistaken. And you probably remember this old adage of the commoner believes that the religion is true, the philosopher believes that the religion is false, and the leader believes that the religion is useful. Yeah, yeah. You are in the religion is true camp. Elon Musk is in the religion is useful camp. Uh, what if I'm in the Elon Musk is useful camp? Well, that would just be an extent of you truly and sincerely believing in all the libertarian principles you've been going on for the past half hour. Well, right. So we would follow. Like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not proposing that Elon Musk is a god king. I think that he's, he's a fallible man like anyone else. I, I just, I think that, uh, much like me, I think that he... He wants humans to be free, and he's interested in the prospering of humans, and that's also what I want. And so, more or less, it seems as though I should be on his side. Maybe, like like you said way earlier, maybe maybe it's all a ruse. Maybe he's he's uh, you know maybe he's a fake. But it just it doesn't seem like it. And I like the guy, and it seems like he's trying to do good. And so. Uh, given the limited knowledge that I have, I support the man. Because his interests are aligned with my interests. I mean, that that's perfectly fine, and you know, I support him too. Well, fuck you know, yeah. All right. But, you know, at the same time, the way I see it, it's more... It's pragmatism first, then principles, then sentiment, in that order. 
Mm-hmm. Pragmatically, you would expect someone who has made billions of dollars through the mechanisms of free market capitalism to be really amenable to libertarian types who usually understand things like economics and invest like you yourself do. And uh, those are the types of people he wants buying his stock. So, of course, he's going to make libertarians happy. Do you see where this is going? Well, I, I would never buy Tesla stock. It's way overvalued. But I understand your point. Well, yeah, you're, you didn't – well, you're not that much of a senti- – you're, you're not that sentimental. You still have, like, enough logical faculties to overcome your base animal instincts and be like, hey, wait a minute. Now, your ability to see it that way should be pointing you in, more in my direction of thinking. Now, this isn't like a polarity between us. It's not an either-or-zero-sum game thing that we're doing here. I, I think we're both right on this, but we're approaching it from different angles. Well, yeah, I mean, we definitely could both be right in this instance. Yeah, I agree. Um, Like, like, let me say this. If given the opportunity, I would not give Elon Musk a a blowjob, but maybe a handjob, right? Like, that's, you know, like, that's, that's how much I like him. I'm not even going to say what I would or wouldn't do to Elon Musk because I don't uh, I don't share those. I'm usually a very private person in regards to those type of activities. Uh, suffice it to say, you know, uh, I hear he's single now. Uh, oh, did he did he break up with uh, Grimes? Man, that happened like a couple of years ago. Yeah, see, I don't I don't pay attention to the uh, the the celebrity personal life stuff. It's not something that I'm focused on. Uh, Unfortunately, I think he's like Arnold Schwarzenegger level of super straight, so uh, that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, uh, probably neither of us will be um, uh, given the opportunity to give Elon Musk a hand job. Uh, yeah, really, really too bad. I was really <laughs> wishing for that. Oh well. Uh, <laughs> oh motherfucker, uh, motherfucker! I'm going to win that game, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no fucking, no fucking try me, fucking straight frog. I will. Okay. I'll put the chemicals in the water that turned you gay. Please don't. Ah, put chemicals in the water. Oh uh, god, no. No, please don't turn me gay. God damn it. Uh, not the atrazine. Uh, <clears throat> uh, I, I mean, look, I, I will, I will say this. As, as a straight man, I would rather blow Elon Musk than eat out Hillary Clinton. I will say that objectively. Oh, God. Like, that's just true. Hillary, <laughs> fucking Hillary clown trods, demonic clown hole. Okay. I think so, if you got anywhere near that thing, it would open, like, a rift straight to Beelzebub's asshole, and it would anally for you and suck you into a dimension no, of demonic shit piranha. You would, you, it, it, it probably has teeth, and it would suck you in, and you would never be heard from again. I think... Uh, Maybe that's what happened to Jeffrey Epstein. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) uh, Yeah, what what she did was that that she unbirthed him and then rebirthed like a dead clone. But the actual Jeffrey Epstein is rotting forever in the bowels of Hillary Clinton's demonic ovaries. (laughs) It's actually it's actually a layer of hell, and that's (laughs) that's that's where all the people go that, that wronged. 
<laughs> the Clinton. Hillary family. Clinton is actually an SCP, and her vagina is a gateway to a new undiscovered layer of hell. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. The conspiracy theories are the Peruvian tides. No, 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 no. This is. <clears throat> This is just facts. This is this is news. We're just reporting the straight now, news. Biden is a goddamn demon. <laughs> we are going to elect President Linda Blair, people. <laughs> I can go along with it. Uh, okay. I uh, well, I think that I think that we we more or less uh, hashed out the <clears throat> uh, the Elon Musk thing. Um, I am looking forward to talk uh, talking about this next week because I assume that there will be more things coming up. Uh, we can we can uh, find out what happens this week and and uh, and discuss that uh, next week. And uh, this will be a con- undoubtedly this will be a continuing conversation because uh, I think that this is probably one of the most important things that has happened uh, in the news since. Uh, Trump got anti-elected in 2020. So, uh, all right, <clears throat> we had a, we had something that you and I wanted to talk about, and uh, this has mm-hmm. to do this this has to do with, uh, and I want to I want to I want to state before this this is this is going to be deeply philosophical. Uh, or at least vaguely philosophical, uh, and it may not be interesting to all people, but I think that this is uh, fundamentally an interesting conversation myself. Uh, so, yeah, I uh, consent. Is that is that where you would, where you would like to uh, <clears throat> begin this with? We can do consent, morality, rationality, or empiricism. Uh, hmm. Okay, maybe these are all talking about a similar thing. I'll t- <sighs> all right, let's 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 do let's do morality. Fine, morality. It's it's broad enough, but not too broad. Okay, morality then. Um, what's your what's your we've talked- salvo? We've talked about this uh, a fair bit of times in the past, but recently I was kind of embroiled in a bit of a telegram debate with uh, Papa J.F. about this type of subject. And, you know, he's got his standard talking points around that that I should have expected given his J. Dyer debate, if anyone remembers that. Um, Okay. In order to ultimately root consent in the category of objectively verifiable phenomenon which if you are a strict materialist you would necessarily have to do if you don't have any prior metaphysics to anchor that to what happens is you end up transcending into this rarefied domain of pataphysical goo for lack of a better term where you have to go up and out instead of down and in with the philosophical anchoring and up and out is a lot harder to do because you have a lot more to deal with in that direction okay so <clears throat> let me uh let me phrase the the argument um so 
we're we're dealing with uh, an idea here called uh, moral nihilism. Uh, this is different than moral objectivism and moral uh, subjectivism, also called moral relativism. Uh, <clears throat> this is moral nihilism, and the the stance the stance for a moral nihilist is that uh, morals don't exist uh, people claim that there are morals like you shouldn't kill you shouldn't uh, uh, steal uh, you shouldn't rape uh, and that's those are moral claims and when you say that that those claims are objective it means that throughout the universe it is a known thing that you shouldn't do those things. And usually moral objectivists uh, tend to, not always, but tend to have a God on their side. They say, well, God said that murder is evil. There we go. Murder is evil. And we can know this objectively. Uh, <clears throat> you also have uh, this group of people called uh, moral subjectivists or um, uh, moral relativists. I think they're, pretty much the same thing and these group of people uh as far as i can tell and i'm sure that there's a lot of disagreement about this but as far as i can tell uh it's the it's the democratic approach to morality it's where uh uh well our civilization has collectively decided that murder is wrong ergo murder is wrong and you ought not murder and you ought not steal and you ought not rape <clears throat> uh, and then you have a moral nihilist a moral nihilist says uh, that they don't believe in ought statements uh, you can believe in conditional ought statements but never ought statements so <clears throat> uh, when someone says you ought not kill then a moral nihilist would say, uh, well, I don't know. I, I, I'm not, I don't agree with the ought part there. Maybe you could say, um, if you don't want to live in a civilization that is filled with murder, then you ought not kill. And that's, that's, the, um, uh, that's the conditional ought statement. So, like, uh, to put it more simply, I... Uh, it would be silly to say that uh, that you ought eat ice cream, but if you were to make the statement, uh, if you're hungry for ice cream, then you ought eat I, you ought eat ice cream. Then that's actually totally fine because that's a conditional ought statement. Uh, you have an if then as opposed to a, just a then. Uh, so that's basically the breakdown, uh, more or less, as far as I can I can describe it in brief, uh, of moral uh, objectivism versus moral um, subjectivism versus moral nihilism. Now, my stance is that I am a moral nihilist. Uh, Breaker here uh, is not. Breaker here is a... Uh, uh, something? What, what are you? It would probably be fair to say at uh, this point that I... There's probably a more correct terminology for this, but uh, this is going to sound stupid, but probably trans-rational or trans-moral. I'm trans. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
truck. A truck. Okay. <laughs> uh, you're you're somewhere in the between. No, I'm I'm past the nihilism part. Okay, so you're not you're not uh you're not non-binary. Um, that's that's good. Yeah, the binaries that died with the fucking death of God, the Nietzschean death of God, in the right, the okay. metaphysical sense, the subjectivist sense ultimately doesn't route back to any type of logical grounding because it's an argument ad populum and therefore not an argument. And uh, okay, so I could maybe I could call you moral queer. I, just call me for dinner, and I don't care what else you say. <laughs> okay, all right. What's uh, what's your stance here when, when it comes to? Maybe we should have just fucking begin with morality. What's what's uh, what is your stance on morality? I just laid out the three major stances, but it appears as though you have one that is not in the three major categories. What is your stance? Okay, so firstly, like each one of those three positions, like the moral objectivist, you have to have some type of binding mythos of the civilization where they all agree on this is some type of transcendental aspect that is ultimately beyond like mere mortal affairs right you gotta have usually it's some type of god basically some type of god or some super permeable binding spirit like in the native american sense like the great spirit or some type of god emperor that lays down the law like Warhammer 40k, like do as I command <laughs> level shit. You gotta, you gotta have something like that. Okay, since that, in the Nietzschean sense, that's all kind of dissolved over time and become disenchanted, and metaphysics has kind of melted away in the modern world. Then you got into the subjectivist realm, and the subjectivists. Ultimately, all it boils down to is argumentum ad populum. It's like, well, in this particular civilization, we do things like this, but over there, they do things like that. And there's I, no I, real attempt to. Yeah, yeah I, I, I want to point out that um, uh, both the moral nihilists and the moral objectivists uh, hate the moral subjectivists the most uh that no one they they don't respect them <laughs> uh, no, the, the eternal fence sitters like all morality is valid time for more soy <laughs> <laughs> yeah fuck fuck those people overall <laughs> stop being such a bigot i i swear i'm going to report you to twitter and get you banned <laughs> Technically anyway, speaking, if, um, if if enough people disagree with you on Twitter, then you would be wrong. That would be the uh, that would be the the moral subjectivist viewpoint. Uh, if well, well, actually, no. It's it, like the Twitter fucking morality and the cathedral morality is like this weird disjointed amalgamation of objective and subjective. But the objective metaphysical root is this liquefied nebulous anachronism from salvaged from a green swamp of goo from ages long past and just occasionally drudged up to throw at someone randomly until they need to make another type of moral argument to prove something else then uh oh, women are equal uh women don't exist uh shit what do i fucking throw next <laughs> wait, wait, wait. okay so actually from that perspective uh a moral subjectivist would be uh, very similar to a moral pragmativist, wouldn't they? I mean, I guess it would just the pragmatism. The pragmatism starts to come in, and it's it's either going to be motivated 
ultimately by self-interest, which I suspect is more in your particular case. Like, you don't want to live in a society where people are statistically more likely to murder you and your family. So, you say that, uh, I don't want to live in a murderous society, so murder is wrong because it affects me personally. It would either have to be tied to you personally, in the sense well, of, like, your individual say, agency. Oh, hold on, hold on. Uh, this is semantic, but important. I would never say that murder is wrong. I would say that my preference is that people don't murder because exactly because then I'm more likely to get murdered. Fuck that. So I won't murder myself. Yeah, it, it's a it's a, it's a preference that stems from pragmatic pragmatism. Uh, yes, yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. Which is ultimately self interested and kind of. You kind of have to have a really robust concept, either sentimentally or more so in your case, like backed up by some type of individual's libertarian principles, to even be able to start to formulate that argument. And we've had this, a, a brief aside, we've had this argument before about libertarian principles and how most people actually don't agree with them. Uh, for one reason or another. Now, they might not all be able to articulate that as eloquently as you can articulate your belief in them, but if you notice, the world isn't exactly eat up with free markets and libertarianism these days, no matter where you go, even America. Well, uh, but <clears throat> we're... Uh, 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 neither of us are, uh, are subjectivists here, so the... Uh, ad populum argument is uh, it does it's not important does not matter in this in this case okay maybe not for us personally but just so everyone else is caught up on right, this. right right because this is a thing that's been going back and forth between us for years and not everybody else might be aware of that um True. okay once you get best subjectivism then you go into nihilism it's like hey none of this has any ultimate objective value whatsoever so, all that's left at that point is pure self-motivated pragmatism, which can work up to a point as long as you maintain the sensation that you are, paradoxically enough, living in a something akin to a collective where, like, other people's struggles and the proximal knock-on effects of crimes they may commit in the society can and will reach you at some point if you allow them to get out of control now this kind of works up to a point like you being a rather metropolitan individual that makes more sense because you're more adjacent to certain high crime areas than certain other people in the country. But someone living in the middle of nowhere, that idea is not going to make a lot of sense because they know all their neighbors. And if anyone commits a crime, it's gossip all over the fucking town for years. Well, uh, uh, or if someone uh, uh, commits a crime around you, you walk by the dead stab victim body as they're throwing the sheet over. And that's just fucking Tuesday. Uh, not, not precisely where I live. I live in a rather posh neighborhood, but, uh, I, I do I do want to point this out. Uh, I <clears throat> I can like let's uh, let's harken back to to Elon Musk. Uh, if 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 I okay, here's my perspective. I am a member of the human species, right? So I'm I'm I am self interested one hundred percent, but I am also interested in my species. Because why wouldn't I be? I mean, if, if it was a war between humans and chimps, I would definitely be on the side of humans because that's what I am. So 
I can think in terms of what is beneficial to the species. So from 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 my, from like from my moral moral nihilist viewpoint, I can say uh, I want our species to do better. Ergo, I want humans to go to Mars, or I want I want humans to fucking uh, build colony ships and and go to um, uh, uh, Alpha Centauri or whatever. Uh, like my moral stances don't necessarily have to be entirely individual. Uh, like like uh, or entirely selfish they can they can be selfish they can also be for my family they can also be for the community that i'm in um they can be for the race uh if if you wanted to, to do it that way and they can be for your species so like it's it's not it's not entirely like it doesn't have to be entirely just individualist selfish yeah i could see how all those would you do make a lot of concession to the collectivist angle of that, which certain other more hardcore libertarians wouldn't, though. It's probably because of your background in biology and how you understand complex biological systems and social interactions between complex species like humans that you can even start to articulate those types of thoughts, whereas a more idealistically dogmatic libertarian type that isn't as well-versed in that type of inter complex interconnected systems as you are would probably say something more along the lines of, hey, I don't give a fuck what you do over there, just leave me the fuck alone. Not realizing that that leave me the fuck alone attitude, the people over there are doing the shit that you don't want anywhere near you probably outnumber you. <laughs> and judgment day is coming, motherfucker. <laughs> just wait, it'll get there eventually. When those dumbasses starve themselves to death, they're coming for you next. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but we were talking about morality. Let's get back to it. <laughs> yeah, but, but but you you can already realize that. So okay, if you remember the political trichotomy that we've talked about before, basically the absolutist side is morality handed down from on high, whether mm -hmm. it's the universe, great spirit, God, King, God Almighty, whatever, or Cthulhu. The subject. Well, that becomes a bit more complicated, but uh, you you could put it like that. <laughs> That would be more of well, I don't. That's a whole can of worms. But anyway, um, then the the subjectivist morality comes from the collectivist side because if you're like if you really live like a collectivist and you don't know who or what your neighbor is going to be in ideological terms from one day to the next, like a roving band of gypsies, you kind of have to be amenable and open to all these different systems and kind of just pragmatically work your way around out of necessity if you are living as a legitimate collectivist in a state of nature. On the individualist side, you're just the fucking man on the mountain. It's like, morality is however far I can throw this fucking rock as long as it doesn't hit anybody, and I can throw all the rocks I want. I, I determine what is my morality because I'm all alone in the middle of fucking nowhere. Like, either literally or socially isolated in some way, where you can kind of leave the concerns of all that shit to other people and just strictly worry about you because you're in a position to be able to do so. No, I think I think that a a, mor a moral nihilist uh, can integrate into uh, any level of, of society or civilization. They don't have to live in a mountain. Um, like You can, but it's not a matter of necessity like the collectivists. The collectivists have to live like that or they die because they're usually pathetic and so, and uh, fucking bio-Leninist pieces of fucking shit. If you remember that fucking left-wing women versus right-wing women, tell me which one of those sides of women is more likely to reproduce if this is not rocket science. Oh, the... Uh 
Right. Uh, it turns out that uh, right-wing women uh, may tend to be more attractive than than left-wing women. <laughs> yeah, I, I, saw, I saw that. I saw that. That I think it was a study or something. Um, I, I don't. I don't know the exact paper. You'll have to send it to me. But yeah, I, I remember. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Because usually, and this is how it's been for. I want to say time immemorial, which might not be inaccurate, but if you remember, like, religious institutions and charitable institutions, usually people who were cloistered monks, like Quasimodo, like the Hunchback of Notre Dame is a really good example of this, but that's, like, the perfect example of a fucking bio-Leninist, because nowhere else in society will accept Quasimodo except the church that's literally the only place he can go and he subsists on charity and lives a cloistered life as a monk okay, in a church okay. I think that we've we've gotten a little bit off topic Okay, we're discussing moral nihilism right? Yeah, so, but all three of these points are important to understanding the broader picture okay and you have a position that is different than all three of these points basically yes Okay, what is your position? Okay, in, I suppose I'll just call it trans morality. Yeah, uh, <laughs> well, uh, let, let's, let's call it moral queer. I think that that's a... Uh... Yeah, moral queer. I'm going to have to come up with a better <laughs> name for this. That's the one of my... Okay, it's basically, well, uh, technically a better name would be metamodern morality. That sounds even gayer. Uh, well good for me um <laughs> maybe i could finally get a fucking date uh but anyway um yeah um in the meta modern sense you start to get the perspective where and you don't have to be particularly intelligent to do this i'm kind of a grug myself it's more about a type of just disjointed centrist attitude where you become disenfranchised with all three of these systems in various ways and the closer you get to the center between all these extreme polarities you start to realize the benefits and faults of each system and when and where is best to apply each one of them so you're a so it's you're it's a, a moral, comprehensive you're a moral centrist and or moral anarchist like what i i i'm okay sure <clears throat> Well, to imply anarchist would be to like say that the the very system of morality itself is something that needs to be no that's utterly no that's abolished. moral that's moral nihilism that's my stance I disagree with, I don't I don't think that there are, is such a thing as a moral claim okay so there will arise times in various settings where you will need to apply that very type of thinking. Like, okay, if the creationists were to come back with the D&D PC culture shit from the 80s and 90s, if you remember any of that, um, I would probably be 
bitching and moaning about all these fucking Jesus freaks again, trying to say that D&D is Satan. I remember arguing against those types of people back when I was a fedora atheist type, but then the cultural zeitgeist kind of I was one of those at one point as well. Don't feel bad. Yeah, exactly. And then the cultural zeitgeist shifted where all like the atheister, the most atheisty of the atheister people said that uh, it's actually about gays, women, trans, and this weird Marxist racial theology which started to look suspiciously like religion all over again, but they all claimed to be atheists. And it's like, wow, what the fuck is going on here? How the fuck did this happen? I thought you were all supposed to be fucking atheists. Or, or at the very least, fucking subjectivists, where you didn't really care about any of these things, but you seem to selectively care about these things very much whenever it suits you pragmatically. So what it sounds... Which you would expect from a collectivist. What, what it sounds to me like is that... Uh... You have seen uh, various groups of people try to exert their moral will. So at first it was the Bible thumpers, and then uh, and you rejected the Bible thumpers, as did I. And this was back uh, in the in in the two thousands during uh, like during the Bush administration, and then also in part during the Obama administration. There was a, there was First, hate freedom. Like like basically, uh, it it. It wasn't as bad as it is today, but the Bible thumpers were like the SJWs, uh, the 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 woke. Uh, the, the Bible thumpers were like the woke of today. Like they had heavy moral influence, and they were uncompromising about their worldview, and they were just right no matter what. And and they were assholes. And then what happened was was there was a switch, and then suddenly for whatever reason. The, the the Bible thumpers were kind of defeated, and then the left kind of came into power, and then they started telling everyone how it is that uh, uh, they started with, with like feminism and and how it is that you know uh, a woman a woman makes seventy six cents for every dollar that a man makes, and uh, of course women and men work different jobs. Um, perhaps it's if- work twenty five percent less. Fuck her. <laughs> Per, per, perhaps if women had greater um, uh, representation in in the uh, garbage collection uh, jobs, then then may, maybe they would be making more money. I don't know, but uh, that that was an obvious lie. And so this well, was well, then they would break a nail and get covered in goo and smell bad. Like ew, that's man's work. Uh, well, uh, potentially. Uh, I mean, th- there there are there are some women garbage collectors, but they're few and far between. Most garbage collectors are men, and actually, garbage collectors make a lot of money because no one wants to work that job. Uh, and men are the only people who are willing to work that job because men are men, and they're different than women. And so, yeah, men make more more money because they're willing to do shit that other that women aren't willing to do. Uh, that's just that's economics. There's nothing sexist about that. But but that was that was the lie that was told by the left, and they asserted a number of other value propositions. They were asserting their morality, and in both instances, when it came to the Bible thumpers and when it came to the um, whatever the whatever ideology the woke is currently, I. Uh, you were able to see that they were asserting a morality that you disagreed with, and you were like, you know what, fuck your morality. Now, here's my position. Uh, that's that's very, very close to just my brand of moral nihilism. I don't want anyone to assert their moral preferences onto me. I, 
I, I, I have my own set of preferences, right? I prefer vanilla ice cream over chocolate ice cream. Now, I know that a lot of people like chocolate ice cream, but personally, French vanilla is way better than any chocolate ice cream. I prefer French French vanilla, and maybe I'm a heretic because of that. I don't know, but that's, that's me. I prefer French vanilla, honestly. And I don't want anyone coming in and telling me that I ought like Rocky Road because I don't like Rocky Road. I don't like chocolate. There are two different types of ice cream that I like, exactly two. I like the, the green tea um, mochi ice cream, and I like the French vanilla. And otherwise, I don't really like any other types of ice creams because I'm not really a dessert guy. And I should be allowed to have those preferences. Uh, and anyone who comes comes to me and says, you know what, strawberry ice cream is the best, I'm going to be like, no, it's not. And and that's that's an assertion that doesn't hold water. You can, you can have a preference that strawberry ice cream is the best, but you can't just come at me and say, strawberry ice cream is the best it's an ought statement. If you if you are going to eat cr- ice cream, then you ought eat strawberry ice cream because that's a moral claim. And fuck that. Based off of what you said, Breaker, I think that you might be a moral nihilist like me. Well, here's the thing about that, though, and you'll really start to notice this when you finally have those kids. Like, you know, you you might say to your kid as like, when it's time to get ice cream, it's like, hey, what flavor of ice cream do you want? If they say like Rocky Road. You'll just be like, eh, the kid likes Rocky Road. Nothing I need to worry about. But if your kid tries to run into traffic, um, suddenly the deep, concealed inner king inside you is going to come out. And you're going to say to that freaking kid, don't you dare cross that fucking street. I command you not to do that. And if you don't listen to me, I'm going to push you by force and prevent you from going to the street, motherfucker. Of course. Of course, because it is my preference that my child does not die. I'm allowed to have preferences. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. But in that scenario, I guarantee you, it, it will no longer feel like a rationally substantiated preference that you are articulating in this fine intellectual matter right now. It will be a lot deeper and more visceral than that. No, it, it's a it's a deeply felt emotional preference. I mean, for instance, <clears throat> I, I have a deeply felt an emotional preference for my loved ones to not die. Now, that doesn't mean that it is, therefore, a moral thing that just overall people that you love ought not die. That would be insane because everyone dies, right? Uh, it's, 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 and that's like going against human nature in a very profound way, which you realize is absurd and un- unattainable. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's just my my overall preference as as a as a as a, just an animal on this earth. I, I have preferences, and my preference is that I don't want my loved ones to die. I <clears throat> I like ice cream, and I don't want to live in a civilization that is filled with rape and murder. So I will choose not do any sort of rape and murder myself because that's like why why would i that makes no sense so it's it's all like and like i can i can find i can find murder disgusting myself right like i've i've had some dreams like i i i don't i don't know if if you've ever had like a dream like this but i've had a dream where i was attacked by someone and it was a burglar or some shit. And 
I felt as though he was a threat to my life. And this was a dream, right? This didn't actually happen. But I, I felt like he was a threat to my life. And so I took a rock and I just hit him over the head. And I just kept hitting until his skull was bashed in. Because I wanted to eliminate the threat. Fucking monkey-brained just kill the thing that's a threat to me. But then I stood up in my dream and I was like, oh my god, I just killed a man. And I felt, I felt sick, right? Because, of, oh god, I don't want to kill someone. <clears throat> and that was just a dream, right? But... So I, I, I can have a preference that is actually just based off of, in the same way that I have a preference towards vanilla ice cream over chocolate ice cream, I can have a preference of not wanting to murder someone or not wanting to rape someone because I find that to be disgusting. I can, I can have all those sort of preferences. And the only argument that I'm really trying to make here is that, well, my preferences are not objective. Uh, they're not something that I can just shout at uh, at other people and be like, uh, well, this is correct now. I feel this way, Erico. This is just the correct thing. Uh, like, I, I, I can't be like, yo, I fucking love French vanilla ice cream. And so when I see someone eating chocolate ice cream, I'm like, that's incorrect. You can't eat chocolate ice cream. The better objective, the, the moral ice cream is French vanilla. You can't just go and eat chocolate ice cream. You can't. That would be insanity, right? That is the perspective of the moral nihilist, and I think that overall, it's a very difficult uh, fortress to try to uh, uh, invade, I guess. Well, insofar as you're so individualistic, and you, it, it's kind of like a do unto others, golden rule type of thing, where... Because you're so individualistic and despise other people imposing upon you in an authoritarian way, you feel as though almost obliged to reciprocate the antithesis of that type of behavior and impose upon as few people as possible in the hopes that they will reciprocate in kind. Because there is a default assumption in that other people are as rational and free-minded as you, and they will in fact do that if you lead by example. Uh, <clears throat> but, as we've seen throughout history, and especially today... It's, that it's is not, anything but the case. It's it's not. It has nothing to do with leading by example. Um, I think that probably ninety five to ninety eight percent of people are not uh, moral nihilists, nor do they even know what that means. Uh, my, I my I I don't I, I my stance here is is not is not that I I, I really want to convince anyone. Um, like exactly but even in in your particular stance there is an implicit value judgment there is a a clandestine ought statement in there you just don't notice it because you're very rarely if ever facing in that particular direction you're always facing in the antithetical direction of do not impose this outwardly onto other people against their consent you're not looking in the direction of what constitutes your preferences at the most Bayesian level? Uh, <clears throat> okay. As, as an animal on Earth, I have an urge to eat food. Uh, I get hungry sometimes. So, 
like maybe that means like if I were if I were to be a like a hunter gatherer human ten thousand years ago, that would mean that I would have to pluck berries or I would have to go out and kill a, a an elk or something. Uh, well, okay, yeah. I mean, I I have a preference of not being hungry. Ergo, I have to impose my will upon the earth because I really don't want to be hungry, and I will find food. I mean, that's I can see where this is going. That's um, that's literally all all I'm doing, and I I, I, I don't think it's wrong for a human to uh, uh, to kill a deer, for instance. I I mean, now that's all that is fine, but it is not a subjective preference that's idiosyncratic to you individually. All of what you just described is rooted in very objectively and empirically verifiable biological traits that constitute you as a human being. Like, now you can go out and you can see a rotting, maggot-ridden carcass, and it's like, well, I really don't want to eat that maggoty carcass, but all those flies are having a good time, but eh, it's making me sick, this smell. There's something about this that I just shouldn't engage in this. And then a buzzard comes down and is like, hey, fuck you, more for me. <laughs> Like, there's a reason you don't want to eat rotten meat that is an objective, scientifically verifiable reason. It's because your gut is not evolutionarily designed to eat rotten meat. That's true. That is an objective reason. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah. And the reason you want the sweet berry rather than the sour or bitter berry, that is also an objective reason. It is not idiosyncratic to you individually and personally. I... Well, actually, I've always been a fan of the um, just prior to ripe sort of fruits. I like them more sour than, than sweet, personally. And there's probably an evolutionary reason for that. There could be. That was like, hey, it's because you're like one of those, like, uh, you're not quite a sneak breeder. You're like in between Chad and what? sneak breeder. You're like hyper monogamous case selected motherfucker. Just get one and stick to it. <laughs> I I, and that feel, would imply I feel slightly that, offended by you calling me a sneak breeder, but I'll you know what? That's, well, I that's said okay. I said you're you're not a sneak breeder. You're a few rungs above the ladder to that. So I would <laughs> hypothesize that now this isn't like a scientific treatise or anything. So don't get it twisted. But I would hypothesize and a desire for the prior to ripe berry is probably rooted deep in your genetics in that. You're not Alpha Chad material, and Alpha Chad is going to eat all the sweetest, ripest berries. So you need to get the ones that are just a few rungs down the ladder before they ripen to his taste. That that could be it. That definitely could be it. Or or it could be that uh, my entire life <clears throat> I have enjoyed. Uh, Eating pickles, dill pickles, not the sweet fucking bread and butter pickles, dill pickles. I enjoy eating capers directly out of the jar. I've always enjoyed mustard. I enjoy the taste of vinegar. I enjoy very intense flavors. I always have. And I've never really been that big fan of, like, sweet things. And so I'm not sure what that represents, but I uh, and I think it is genetic because my mom also enjo enjoyed, like, very intense flavors. But I just really, I like really intense flavors. Like, I want my fruit to be sour as fuck. I like fucking sour, vinegary, salty things. That's what I like. And I, maybe that's genetic, but I'm not sure that we can bring it to the level of 
um, Alpha Chad versus Beta versus Omega versus Sigma. Well, yeah, that this probably gets into a whole bunch of emergent and epigenetic factors that turns into this massively complex web, like we've talked about before, the concept of emergence. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Whatever it is that makes my taste buds like they are, and also I love spicy things. Like I, I can, I love spicy things. I don't know what it is. Oh, but I eat. I eat such spicy things with fucking extracts, and I'm like pure capsaicin extract that even my fucking piss burns the inside of my dick. <laughs> that that honestly sounds terrible. Uh, but <laughs> I think that um, probably, if I were to guess, uh, <clears throat> there uh, there's another there's another thing about humans that has probably I think evolved after the whole tribal thing. Uh, like I think probably into the agricultural revolution, <clears throat> and that is that. Uh, no, actually, it could have existed before then. Actually, it probably did. I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure when this came about. To be to be honest, but um, it is the human desire for novelty and exploration and risk taking. Um, there's there are genes for that. You want you want novelty, you want excitement, you want exploration, and you want risk taking. And uh, those factors, those genetic factors, either make you a really good CEO or make you a shit fucking drug user overall. Because uh, both of those uh, make you have an addictive personality. Where either you're addicted to power and money, or you're addicted to drugs and you just uh, you amount to nothing, right? So, <clears throat> I think that that might be correlated with also wanting to have an extreme amount of like flavor profile in your meals. Like, I will literally eat straight vinegar. My favorite type of chip is salt and vinegar chips. I, I think that I used to love those when I ate chips. Now I eat salt and vinegar pistachios. I. Uh, Man, I don't. I, I've never been a big fan of nuts myself. I just I don't like nuts. Well, but maybe, I do keto now, so chips bad. <laughs> oh, you're. I didn't. I didn't know that you were doing keto. Oh, dude, that's awesome. Yeah, that's that's super good. Um, but yeah, I I was uh I, I was never I I like from the time I was little I was never a big fan of nuts. Uh, I just I don't like them. They taste weird. I don't know. Uh, but uh. Okay. Now, now, now we're talking about whether we like nuts or potato chips more. Uh, this, this yeah, is not this an is, entertaining. This is going to get awry, but it, it kind <laughs> of actually does. It kind of does segue into several important things that have to. Because I'm talking to a moral nihilist specifically, I might as well just stick to the arguments with what you know best. And we've had this argument before. Moral nihilism is ultimately a. A type of virulently misanthropic viewpoint. I disagree. It's deeply... Okay. Well, I'll go over my reasoning for this. Basically, I think all nihilism is ultimately the most anti-human of perspectives a human being could possibly have. And it's a wonder that humans were able to think of this bizarre paradox of nihilism to be able to go that fucking far with it. I'm not advocating for nihilism. I would agree that nihilism sucks and that no one should actually take the position of, of nihilism. Uh, but moral nihilism is 
it's a completely different concept than just nihilism, right? It's 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 you have it's evaluated describing. the morale, you've evaluated the moral structures and found them lacking compared to. There is no meaning to life. I should just kill myself. Mer. Or kill other people and then kill myself. Maybe I should be a fucking Columbine shooter. Like, that's what, that's what well, pure nihilism is. obviously not. Yeah. Like, this bullshit. is purely a philosophical dialectic. This is not a literal threat of self-harm in case any of the platforms are wondering. Oh, no, no, yeah, yeah. That was a, that was a metaphor. <laughs> yeah, this is purely metaphorical. This is a philosophical thought experiment discussion. Not, not a literal injunction to commit suicide or anything. Or murder. Um... Okay. Now, when I asked you and then stopped abruptly compared to, like, right, you find the world utterly bereft of meaning. That necessitates some type of meaning that the world is lacking. That's nihilism. I am a moral nihilist. I find the definition of nihilism is there. There is no intrinsic value, specifically moralism. There is no intrinsic value in any moral structure. You would probably agree with this. Yes, it, it's specific to morals. You can find meaning in the world. I find the world bereft of ought statements. That is my position. I don't think that ought statements are a real thing. Like you can say them, but they have no value. That is literally all I'm saying. It has nothing to do with the meaning of life. It has to do with, I don't like ought statements. Statements that say ought in them, unless they're conditional ought statements. Like, if you want to get drunk, then you ought drink alcohol. Like, that's that's okay for me, because it's conditional. It has an if. But... This is kind of the heart of the argument that I get into with you and people like JF more recently. Um, Okay, the conditional, that's kind of like a side chain into just matter-of-fact Boolean logic statements. Like, A leads to B outcome. Like, action A leads... That's just cause and effect. That's just an empirical analysis of... I have data points that suggest drinking alcohol causes drunkenness. So if someone says, I want to get drunk, I will say, A, drink alcohol, which leads to B, drunkenness. Yes. That's just a purely logical formulation. That is the, that is the only style of ought statement that I'm okay with. Okay, now we've discussed many times that, that ultimately logic terminates at a fundamental incompleteness. Like, you will eventually get to a point where if you logically and axiomatically verify breaker, literally breaker, everything... Breaker. No, 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 no. You can't... Look, that, I believe, is for a different argument. I don't think that you can disagree with me that there okay, is... It all comes together, and you can... You there can is sound why. logic. There is absolutely sound logic. Behind, I'm not saying there isn't sound logic. If I'm you sound want logic to get is, drunk, is if you want to get drunk, then you ought to drink alcohol. There's sound logic behind that. You can't you can't use the incompleteness theorem to say, oh, well, there's a hole at the end of that. No, no, no. It's it's completely fair. If you want to get drunk, you ought to drink alcohol. Yes, I agree with that, and I'm not saying it. The logic is sound. The logic works. I'm not disputing that. 
What I am saying, though, and this is something that you, you've been on the edge of for years and never quite fallen off of it yet, which is amazing how often I push you on this. But, okay, definitionally speaking, you want to talk about logic? Let's do logic. Definitionally speaking, nihilism, in this case specifically moral nihilism, is the belief that any and all systems of morality and ought statements, unless they are conditional and axiomatically and logically formulated statements, A leading to B, are devoid of intrinsic value. Yeah. You would probably agree with that definition of moral nihilism. Yeah. I think. If I didn't die. Uh, I think I died. No, 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 no. I, I, oh, I, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, you're there. Yes. And I said yes. Okay, yes. Um, now, pay very close attention and don't hand wave this away. When you say that all moral claims that are not conditional ought statements are devoid of intrinsic value, in order to make that statement and remain within the domain of logical consistency, you must also define simultaneously what intrinsic value would entail if the ought statements did have it. Oh, uh, okay. <clears throat> Let me do a, a, a counter-argument. Um, <clears throat> you come up to me and you say, do you believe in in ghosts? And and I say, I no, I, I don't believe in ghosts. And then you, and then you say, okay, well then, <clears throat> ergo, uh, what you're saying is that um, any... Any statement about ghosts is inherently non-factual. And I go, yeah, I guess. And then you go, okay, well, in that case, you're saying that it is a necessity in the universe that ghosts do not exist. And I go, uh, man, I'm not sure that I was saying. Like, honestly, my position was just yeah, like, I don't believe in ghosts. You you can get out of that through empiricism by saying, I have no good reason to believe in ghosts because I found insufficient evidence, and in accordance with Occam's razor, I'm not going to assume ghosts exist without evidence. You can do that empirical sidechain on that. I know how that works. Right. Like, I don't... Just because I don't believe in something doesn't mean that I have to... Uh, like, I, I'm taking the, the, the negation, uh, the, uh, the, the negative perspective. I... Uh, that doesn't need, mean that I have to take the affirmative perspective against ghosts in this metaphor, right? I'm not, so, saying, I'm not saying you have to take the affirmative perspective. What I am saying is if you were being purely rational and empirical during this interrogation, you would have to concede that there exists <clears throat> evidence that if you were to analyze could prove to your satisfaction that ghosts do exist. If there doesn't exist any evidence that would change your mind, there that would, is ultimately an odd statement. There would definitely be evidence that would change my mind that ghosts exist. Like, if yes. I saw a ghost. If I, if I like, 
if there was a ghost and it was standing in front of me and it was like, ooh, I'm spooky, fucking boo, and uh, I, I, I haunt this mansion, I, at that point, I, I would believe in ghosts. Uh, <clears throat> I would question whether I had, like, a schizophrenic episode or something, but... Yeah, so would I. I know. Like, even if, like, God, if I saw God exist and he wrote God's name in the sky, I am God and I'm real, I would just say that's probably a Lovecraftian entity from somewhere else in the universe just fucking with me. <laughs> I would be more likely to believe in that than actual the God of the Old Testament existing. <laughs> well, right, Literally. but... Uh, yeah, so... Uh, yeah, so I don't... I don't believe in ghosts... <clears throat> but that's like that's me that's me being agnostic i uh i i don't like that's me being an atheistic agnostic <clears throat> i don't believe in god but i'm also not saying that god definitely doesn't exist i'm just saying i don't believe in him and maybe i think he probably doesn't exist but that doesn't mean that i'm gonna take the strong stance of like <clears throat> uh, uh like a uh, like like a strong atheistic perspective and say God must not exist like that I, like I'm not gonna I that would I think that's just as insane as saying God must exist right like I just think hey, I don't see any evidence I mean maybe he does but uh, I don't see it and that is my stance okay. on moral nihilism on on morals uh, when it comes to moral nihilism like I don't believe in them I'm not saying that they have to not exist. I'm just saying it seems okay. like they don't, and I'm going to live as though they don't. Now, now, this is like the this is like the more simplified version of something. I know I bring up Girdle's incompleteness theorem a lot, but this is like a you simple... Do. That's your favorite theorem. Yeah. This is like a simple real-life, more uh, I want to pick my words carefully, more uh, relatable example of how this works okay now you have on one side i don't believe in ghosts period or then i'm skeptical of ghosts i'm agnostic about ghosts if i could see evidence of ghosts existing i would believe in ghosts and there exists formulations of evidence and data that could change my mind about ghosts if i encountered them and then on the far opposite side you have ghosts are totally real they're every freaking where don't you know so you're somewhere in between that more leaning probably in the directions that they don't because of the severe lack of evidence you see for ghosts existing now there is a there's a chain of consistency through all of this and it is your adherence to rational empiricism that could in theory allow for evidence to be presented to you that could change your mind in this profound way about this thing that up until the point you saw the evidence you had no reason to believe it now even though you're very skeptical about it there does exist a scenario where evidence could occur to you and you could believe in this the <laughs> rational empiricism never leaves this equation it's ever present to be fair <clears throat> I think that it would be incredibly difficult to find physical, tangible evidence that would support something like an, ob an objective morality, or even less so a subjective morality. I, I don't know how it is that you could possibly tie in like empirical evidence to... 
a universal morality. Maybe, maybe if we if we found the like like a uh, actually, I, I don't I don't even know how it is that you could bridge a, a physical piece of ev- evidence and then being able to say that okay now now morality exists. I'm not sure how that would work. It seems impossible right now, but may, maybe there's a way that you could make it work. I don't know, uh, but. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure that this is that this is actually based off of empiricism. Uh, actually, in the same way that <clears throat> when it comes to God, I don't think that there is. I, I think it's impossible, probably, for there to be evidence for or against the existence of God because He is something that exists outside the universe and via the scientific method we can only describe things that are inside our universe uh so uh i think that uh yeah i don't know i I don't know man i just uh i just i guess i guess i just i i don't think that morals are a thing and uh yeah okay now there is something there's something in the background of this that is ultimately more powerful and holds more sway over you than just your base assertion of skepticism about morality or the ghosts or whatever and your ardent belief in such things there's some like skeptical pluralism in between there that's like a wedge like a balancing scale between these two outcomes that the scale can be tipped in either direction, but to tip it all the way down into the point where, oh, like, okay, this definitely exists with X amount of probability. It's going to take a lot of weight on that scale for someone like you, given your intellectual and rational and skeptical faculties. Now, for other people, those faculties might be lacking or in some cases practically non-existent, so it would be much easier to tip it the other way. <clears throat> I'm not saying either one of those positions is wrong, but the scale never leaves the equation. <clears throat> you're saying... The scale, if it were tipped, it you're saying could that the, change your mind. You're saying that the scale is... Uh, if I'm interpreting what you're saying correctly, is that the scale is binary. It's between one or two. It's like, okay, it's either leaning towards moral nihilism or it's leaning towards some sort of like moral objectivism. And... But the scale only goes in two directions. It's up or down on one point or the other. Whereas <clears throat> maybe you have a position that is outside of the scale. And so maybe it's difficult for me to think about it even because I am focused on the scale going up and down between the two positions and you're yeah, out there exactly. on the other side of the bench. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. And what is your position? I already see the scale and what does and doesn't tip it in either direction. Okay, but what and what, what you, things can be loaded onto it? <clears throat> Tell me what you're affirming. You've been telling me what you're negating, but what are you affirming? I'm affirming that no matter how you try and get away with it, there's always some type of base intrinsic value system operating, even in the most ardent of moral nihilists like yourself, that allows you to evaluate each and every moral claim that comes along, whether it's ice cream or murder, that scale is always there, but it's so heavily loaded in the morality has no intrinsic value side 
that you don't remember that there's actually a scale there that could be tipped on the other side. So are you saying that my preference of French vanilla ice cream over chocolate ice cream is actually a moral consideration? It's a very shallow and... Like, it would be like dropping a dead fly carcass onto the end of a scale when the other side of the scale has, like, the Titanic on it. So, <clears throat> what you're saying... But I guarantee you, if your child runs into the street, there's going to be a thumb on the other side of that scale that's going to lift that Titanic right off the fucking ground. So, I think that actually, <clears throat> what we've arrived at here is that... Uh, <laughs> it's actually kind of interesting. Uh... You, you and I uh, hold a very similar position, but with uh, with opposite semantics. You want to make everything moral, even uh, the choice of the of the ice cream, French vanilla over chocolate. Whereas I, want no, that to, would be that would be subjective. Whereas I want to make everything a preference, and I want to avoid morality, which is why I say that even murder is a preference. I believe that this is what we've gotten down to. Well, if I were a subjectivist, I would want the scale to be as even as possible, to in be inclusive of all ways of thinking. But I'm not concerned with so much being on the scale am I, as I'm concerned with the, the machinations of the scale itself and the more fundamental processes that allow that operation. Uh... <clears throat> I think I think that overall uh, I think that we've talked this to death. Uh, I think that this would probably be a good time to cut it out. <laughs> yeah, probably. I think that this conversation has probably gone on long enough. Uh, uh, I think I continue to think that I'm right, and you'll probably continue to think that you're right. And I think that we can just leave it at that. Uh, I think that we went super esoteric there, and probably into some concepts and ideas that most people don't give a shit about but at the same time uh i think it was that's why you do the fun stuff at the beginning exactly yeah i think i think i think it was a a, a conversation worth having i don't think that we're done with that uh, i think that actually it is a, an incredibly boring but also incredibly important conversation to have um like it's it's to many people, it may seem boring, but I, I do think that it's actually a very important convers conversation to have, and actually a conversation that more people uh, ought be having. <laughs> uh, so, <clears throat> uh, anyway, uh, with that, uh, I think that uh, we'll, we'll leave it there. Um, uh, so, uh, this is me saying goodbye to everyone. Uh, Breaker, go ahead and say goodbye to everyone. I'm so told me to destroy Joe Rogan. Yes, sir, Jesus! Oh, All right, bye, everyone.